Welcome to the Upper Room Community Church Podcast. Wherever you are in your journey, we hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and provide practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit us at upperroom.ca. Today, I will be reading scripture from 2 Corinthians 5, 15-20. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not people's sins against them. He has committed to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ, as through God we're making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. (coughs) Happy Easter. Man, my throat's gone just from all that singing. That was awesome, so bear with me. We're starting a new series today on Easter Sunday called New Life. <clears throat> Truth is, I could have said new anything, and you would have been, oh, oh, uh, what's that about, that new something, right? Because we're just fascinated with new. New is a word. I mean, I used to work in an industry where that was like, if you could put a new flash on something, that was going to give you some kind of bump, because we're interested in anything new. How many, of you, how many of you are like new shoes people? Come on, just, this is confession, okay? This is how we do confession in our church. I mean, new shoes people, like shoes, you're just like, oh, they're shiny, they're beautiful. Some, some of you, I know some of you, you buy them, you don't even wear them. That's crazy. But anyways, how many of you are like new sweater people? Sweater, it's like you feel like a million bucks. You're like, everything just changed for you because you, you walked out. I mean, you loved you this morning as you looked in the mirror. New sweater people. Uh, some of you are like new, new version of video game. I know all you gamers, just, just confess right now. New version, yes. New episode in your favorite series. You see new episodes right on Netflix? Oh, yes. This confession's happening all over the place. Let's see, what else? Oh, how about some of you, it's like new, new something in your home, like a couch or something or a paint, picture frame. It, like candles, I swear the candles in our house mate behind the picture frames because I don't know where they come from. I, we've never bought them, but they're everywhere. Uh, so, so some of you are like new house people, right? How about the smell of an old car? All right, like, it's like, no, I was trying to forget that. Or the smell of an old sweater? No. Smell of an old couch? Right? No, nobody's interested in the old stuff. We all want new. Now, I'm not here to criticize you because I'm the same. I think actually this desire for something new is part of what drives us as human beings. And I wonder if, if part of why we're so interested in a new thing we could get or something shiny or something, uh, a new experience or whatever, is because there are other things in our lives that are old or growing old that we don't think could ever be new again. Like the things that we would say if we all said, hey, what's the most important things in life? What are the things you think about probably on your deathbed? They're about relationships. And yet all of us in some shape or form have had the experience of a relationship growing old 
or dying, or we'd say, that thing is dead. We think there's no life, there's no hope for that thing anymore. Some of you may experience that in your church, where you felt like, oh, that church relationship, that was, that's old or dying or dead. Or maybe in a marriage that you feel is old or dying or dead. Or friendships that are struggling and dying and disappearing, slipping through your fingers. Could be a relationship with parents or siblings. Could be in your workplace. It's just the same old, it's the same old. And truthfully, even though we don't think about it this way, we don't really think there's much hope for those. So we try to prop up our desire for new with just something else because we don't really think those things could be new again. Some of us in the room are actually completely cynical because of that, of the word new at all. We don't think anything new has the promise, can, as, is good enough to deliver on the promise. And so we just kind of fill our lives with the little routines that help us get by. A show we like, a glass of wine, a weekend away with the boys, whatever it is because our sense of hope for anything new is gone. We don't believe the promise anymore. But I would suggest to you, we can't give in to cynicism or settling for something just shiny in the place of a true desire for new. Because human beings, we were made to crave new. It's not actually a criticism of what it means to be. It's something in us. Dallas Willard uh, passed away uh, a little while ago recently. He was an author and a professor, said it this way, the new person and the new world for which humanity constantly seeks is the overriding theme of the biblical writings, culminating in the person and kingdom of Jesus. Isn't that ironic? Because for some of us, what grew old was religion. And yet Willard makes this point. He said, the new person and the new world, which every one of us craves for, so this is actually what the biblical story is about, culminating in the person and kingdom of Jesus. The new person, the new me, the me I want to be, something inside of me that says I was made for more. He says this craving that we have to be new people and for the world and the way we interact it, with it to be also new. And new not in a way that gets obsolete or fades or dulls or rusts or breaks down, but something that is alive all the time, something that is constantly new. He says, this is the human quest. For the person to be made new and the world in which we live to be new again. And he says, all of this is found, culminates in the story, the life the death, the resurrection, and the kingdom of Jesus. See, what we understand really is what we have celebrated in a sense in the Christian calendar from December 25th to today is in a sense a, a sort of a compacted journey of this promise of new in the life of Jesus. That Jesus came to us into our skin, into this world, as the new human. The picture of what would a life fully alive look like? What would a human being fully alive look like? What was a human being meant to look like? And that's why they call Jesus the most beautiful life that's ever been lived. Compassion, strength, kindness, joy, power, relationship, love, breaking down the barriers of gender, ethnicity, religion, social class. This is what a human being fully alive look, looks like. 
Jesus, in that sense, isn't the story of a superhero. He's the story of a human being and gives us a picture. This is what life was meant to be. Then also in his death, Jesus shows us what you do with power. You lay it down. He says, I came to give my life up for those that I love. I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life up. And so in Jesus' death, not only do we celebrate that he has freed us from sin and forgiven us from sin, he has showed us a picture of what we are meant to do with influence, power, opportunity, is to give it up, to lay it down for the sake of others. And though the people who were with him saw that as a terrible, tragic turn and end to a beautiful life, the story did not stop there, and that is what we celebrate today, that the resurrection of Jesus was the vindication, in a sense, of God saying, this is my son, and this is what new life is meant to look like. And that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And as Tony said to us this morning in the welcome, this isn't just something we go, oh, that happened 2,000 years ago, and what we're doing today is we're remembering that that happened 2,000 years ago. Because many of you were like, I already know that. I already know the story. It's like watching the same movie, like, every year. I know how it goes. That's not the point. It isn't just that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. The exclamation point on the life of the new humanity it's that his resurrection, as Tony said, is part of our story now. And here's what the Apostle Paul says to a church about the resurrection. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. He says, from now on, like when on, from what, 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 now what, from the point of the resurrection. He says, now that Jesus has been raised from the dead, everything changes. He says, we used to see Christ as sort of a human, like he was beautiful and he did things that were worthy of, um, of following and he taught with power and authority and he had compassion and love and he worked these miracles, but we saw him in a certain way still somehow as a human. Like when he says worldly, he means kind of like just like of this earth. But since he was raised from the dead, we don't see him that way anymore. But listen to this. He says we don't see anyone that way anymore. In other words, the resurrection of Jesus Christ didn't just change how the church saw Christ, it changed how they saw everyone. He says, we used to think that a certain thing about Jesus, once he was raised from the dead, from now on, we don't see anyone the same anymore. Everything has changed. Then he says, he's got this word, therefore. What should they say? Well, what's it there for? He says, because we don't see anything the same way anymore, therefore, he says, like, listen up, lean in, pay attention. I'm going to tell you something that will rock your world. He said, if anyone is in Christ, and we'll talk about it in a moment what that means, he says, a new creation has begun. The old has gone, and something new has started. 
See, it wasn't just Jesus that died and was raised to life. He says, if anyone is in Christ, something has happened to them too. And he doesn't say, hear me, he doesn't say, someday you too will be raised again, which is true, and he says it in other letters. What does he say here? He says, the new creation has begun. Uh, some of your translations say, you are a new creation. He says, it's already happened that those of you who are in Christ, in other words, if you're with Christ, if you say, my life is with him, I am in him, I am following him, he is my savior, he's my Lord, he's my friend, I am with him, he says, the same thing has happened to you already. It's already started. New life has begun. He says, the old has gone and the new has begun. What, what is he talking about, the old and the new? He says, you had an old way of thinking. Your mind had certain thought patterns. It, it, it was trained a certain way. Worry, fear, self-absorption, all the stuff, he said, that used to be default patterns of thinking for you. He says, now the new has begun. You have a new mind. If you are in Christ, you are given a new way to think. You start to think things you never thought before. Stuff you used to think all the time has begun to change. Something is changing. Something new is happening in your mind. He says, you had an old heart. It was a heart that was full of desires, a mix of beautiful and broken desires. And your broken ones would always sabotage the beautiful ones and it would all get mixed up. And your heart would take you to things, to love things and go after things that ultimately were killing you. He says, now in Christ, you have a new heart. Things you used to desire, you're actually not interested anymore. And now you have a whole other set of desires you don't even know where they came from. You think, what's happening to me? He says, you have new eyes. You don't see anyone the same way anymore. That is new creation. That is what Christ has done for you. If you are in Christ, everything has begun to be made new. It's a whole new self. He said, yes, one day you're going to get a new body. And, but, but that's kind of like the last part of the whole process. The new life has already begun in you. And your mind and your heart and your eyes are being made new. He says, now that you're in Christ, you don't see the world the same anymore. Everything has changed. Like if you have conflict with your parents and you go and buy a new sweater, anything going to change at home? No. If you're struggling in a marriage that you feel is dead or dying, you buy a new home, is that going to make things better? might make it worse. If you're struggling in your workplace and you find some new corner of the world that you get to go for a two-week vacation, guess what when you come back? It's still there. Everything's the same. That stuff we go after, the new things, they don't have the power to change and bring life to dead or dying or old things that we are craving to see new. It says, in Jesus, though, if you are in Christ, it changes everything. He says, now we don't see anybody in the world the same way anymore. This dramatically affects our relationships. He says, as you are becoming an entirely new 
person, now all of the interpersonal relationships that you have are beginning to change. And we know he's talking about this because look what he says next. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What is that word, reconciliation? It means to, it's a relationship word. It means to bring back a relationship to the way it was meant to be. It, it is to restore, it is for people in a, in a relationship of love, of whatever kind, to be brought back together. It was something that is separated or broken or death or dying when it is reconciled, it is brought back into relationship. And he says, this is what has happened because now you are new creations. You now are reconciled to God. You have life with God and in God. He says, God made this first move. And this is the beauty of reconciliation, right? We, we all know that when, if someone's wronged us, they're the ones that should come and say sorry, right? They're the ones that should take the initiative to reconcile the relationship. But Paul says, you have been reconciled to God. He is not the offending party. He's the offended party. And yet he has moved towards you. God reconciled you to himself, made you alive again so that you could be back in relationship with him. In other words, so that you could have the life with him you were meant to have, that you were always meant to have. True life is found in him. And he says, now you have life with God. And then he says, we have now the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, we are people who go out reconciling everywhere we go not only bringing other people back to God, but we ourselves doing what God has done for us. As God has moved towards us to reconcile relationships, so now we don't see any relationships in our church, in our family, in our marriage, in our friendship circle, in our school, in our workplace, the same again. Everything has changed. We see these now as places and people to which we have been sent that we go into with this ministry of reconciliation saying, this can have new life again. Friends, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ means anything to us, it means that the old and dead and dying things that we have maybe given up hope on can live again. It's not a someday one day. He says new life has already begun. The someday one day is the new body. So many of our prayers often are for the new body now while our relationships are dying. God says, don't worry about the new body. You're going to get one. I want you to bring new life that has begun now to everyone you see. You have a ministry of reconciliation. I'll look after the new body. You begin to bring life to the relationships, to the places that I have sent you. Many of us need to change the way that we see our schools and our workplaces, not as stuff we are meant to do, but as people we were sent to. 
so much of our life revolves around the things I need and what I need to do and how does this place give me personal fulfillment and I don't feel fulfilled in this place or I don't know if I have enough friends and whatever and how am I seen and am I getting looked over and promotion and whatever and, and, and Paul says, no, you, you are a new person. You don't see the world the same way anymore. It is a place you have sent with a, been sent with a ministry of reconciliation to bring people back to God and for you to be in a thriving, life-giving, new life relationship with the people, yes, even the people you work with. He says, we don't see anyone the same anymore. Do you get me or hear me? Everything has changed because of new life. And so the next, actually, uh, seven weeks, we're going to be exploring how does Jesus rescue our relationships from the same old? How does he give us new life and new perspective in our workplace? We're going to talk about work next week, in our friendships the week after. And then uh, as a single person, what does it mean for you to be alive in the relationship that you have? And then as a married person, what does it mean for you to be alive in the relationship that you have? How does this, the resurrection of Jesus, change everything? It has already begun. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old ways, the default ways of thinking, of feeling, of acting, of seeing the world are being changed. And he said, it's begun. It's begun. It's not finished, but it has begun. This is the newness that we are actually craving for. It's what's behind every purchase we make and every next vacation we're looking for and whatever. It is just this craving to actually see dead things, old things, dying things come to life again. And Paul says, it's already begun in you. God is bringing you back to him and he is sending you out with this ministry of reconciliation that everywhere you go, you are trying to bring new life. It should affect every relationship we have. Nothing in our lives is seen the same way again. And I know if, you're, if a particular relationship is coming to mind, maybe a friendship or a, a family member, things that have gone like generations deep, maybe in your family or in a marriage relationship or in your workplace or in your school, we don't have a lot of hope with this stuff. There's a lot of hopelessness. We just sort of go, oh yeah, that's the way it is. That's the way they've always been. Friends, this is what this day is about. Is that we say, if, if Christ can conquer death, which is a certainty for every one of us, if on that thing we know for sure that death is going to claim every one of our lives, just as it did Jesus, and he says, no, that's not the same old anymore. Now that that has changed, that's why Paul says from now on, if death has been reversed, we don't see life the same way anymore. And so to be people of the resurrection is actually saying, I have hope. I have to be honest. There are things in my life that I've said, that thing's dead, that thing's gone, that thing's never going to come back again. That what I expect is the same old. And yet for us as people of the resurrection, Reconciliation is meant to be the new expectation. I don't expect just the same old in my family or in my marriage or in my school or in my work. I'm not going to give into that hopelessness the same old because I have a new expectation. It is for reconciliation. From now on, I don't see the world the same way. I have an expectation for reconciliation. So for some of you, you just need to say, hey, where am I desperate for this new life? Where is an area that I have sort of labeled 
hopeless, that I have labeled dead, that I have labeled dying. I say, no, Jesus, actually deep down, I'm desperate for new life. I just don't even want to believe it. Where is that area? Where is it for you? And then who's in the same boat as you? Right? For some of you, it's actually saying, could I actually have life with God? There's been so much water under the bridge with me and God. Or I've just ignored him for so long. Could I actually have life with him? Paul says, the first move in reconciliation is God's. He says, come back. I'm making you alive so that you can have life in me. But maybe for some of you, it's at your school. It's in your friendships. It's in your family. It's at your work. It's in your marriage. And I know you're not the only one. And so maybe there's someone else in your life that's saying, you know what? You're in the same boat as me. I think you've given up on this. Maybe they've been complaining to you about their job or they've been complaining to you about their parents or they've been complaining to you about their marriage and you say, you know what? You need some new life in that thing. You think that's hopeless. You've labeled that. You can just go preach this to them and say, come on, come with me. We need to experience this together.